If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. And what a wonderful Erev Shabbos it really is. It's Parsha's Vaera. The second Parsha in the book of Exodus, in the book of Shemot, a very special Parsha. As we'll soon find out, the Parsha that talks to us about tremendous miracles that took place in the land of Egypt. Tremendous miracles that actually ushers in the beginning and the ultimate redemption of the Jewish people coming out of Egypt. It's also Shabbos Mavorchim. When we bless the new month of Shvat, Monday is Rosh Chodesh Shvat, and Shvat is a very special month. It's the 11th month of the year. Next month, of course, following is Adar, the 12th and final month of the year. But Shvat is the 11th month of the year. And as the 11th month of the year, it has extremely important connotation. We read in the book of Deuteronomy that Moshe, started teaching the Jewish people prior to his passing. He began to teach the Jewish people the entire Torah. And when did he do this? He began to do this on Rosh Chodesh Shvat, the 11th month, on the first day of the 11th month. This is a month where the entirety of Torah is taught to the Jewish people by none other than Moshe Rabbeinu. The 11th month has within it the ability, the capacity of Torah being transmitted from Moshe to the people. Of course, all the Jews stood at Sinai, they received the Torah. But there is the special quality of Moshe, our leader, our teacher, teaching the Torah to the Jewish people. And this takes place at the beginning of this month. It took an entire month plus seven days. Moshe, of course, left this physical world on the seventh day of Adar a month and seven days. This is how long it took for Moshe to teach the Jewish people the entire Torah. And this is why as we approach Rosh Chodesh Shvat on Monday, we bless it on Shabbos, it's a time for each and every one of us to make a commitment. It's a time for each and every one of us to renew our covenant with Torah. And how do we renew our covenant with Torah? By somehow actually beginning to study more and more. If we study on a daily basis, we should study a bit more. If we don't, then of course we must commit ourselves to studying some Torah. There are so many wonderful shi'urim out there. Face-to-face in classes on Zoom. There are wonderful teachers available here in Johannesburg and today with Internet from around the world. The study of Torah has become so much more available. And this is why it's important when Moshe starts teaching the Jewish people the Torah at the month of Shvat, each and every one of us must remember that we made a covenant. We undertook Nasib and Nishma. We will fulfill the commandments and we will study the Torah. And the study of Torah is incumbent upon each and every one of us, men, women, children, each according to our ability, each according to our requirements. And this is why it's a time to somehow connect, to renew that covenant, to renew that bond, to begin the study of Torah. 
And as the 11th month, the number 11, 11 has incredible significance because 10 usually signifies that which is complete and whole within the entire infrastructure of creation. We speak about the 10 spheres within creation. We speak about the 10 dimensions within man, the seven emotions, the three intellectual. 10 symbolizes a wholeness. A minion, a quorum, is made up of 10 people. The number 10 is a symbol of holiness, a symbol of wholeness. 11. 11 is going beyond that number, doing something extraordinary that takes us beyond the wholeness of 10 and takes us into an altogether different dimension. This is the month of Shvat. The month of Shvat is a time that if we commit ourselves, if we devote ourselves, if we actually renew that covenant, we are able to enter into the dimension of the 11. We are able to enter into that which goes far beyond the 10 wholeness, the 10 structure. We go into something which is far beyond. And this is a time that we need that type of energy that comes from an altogether different dimension of greatness. This is a time when the world is experiencing so many difficult and strange experiences. The world is going through a very chaotic time. When we carefully examine what's taking place, the conflicts, the wars, the natural disasters, the pandemics, all sorts of worrying and strange experiences are taking place in the world. And what we need is greater and more powerful blessing. And the interesting thing is that each and every one of us has the capacity of drawing those blessings down practically into the world. Yes, we do. We can reach out to the Almighty. We can reach out to God Himself through prayer, through acts of charity, through the study of Torah, by doing acts of goodness and kindness, by committing our minds and hearts and actions to a better way of life. Hashem will respond as He has done throughout the ages. Yes, we are given challenges from time to time. And sometimes, as we'll soon explain within the context of the Parsha, those challenges might appear to be completely overwhelming. They seem to be so difficult, we're almost crushed by them. But we're not. Because all it does is brings out from within us a deeper sense of calling out to God Almighty to do something which is greater when we do something extraordinary within ourselves, Hashem responds with doing something extraordinary as well. And this is why, as our Kabbalists tell us, that the particular tribe that is connected with the month of Shvat is the tribe of Asher. And Asher is a symbol, a tribe of blessing, a tribe of wealth, a tribe of tremendous well-being. As it says, May Asher Shemena Lachmo. 
His bread was fattened. His bread was full of great blessing. The word Asher itself means blessing. Because contained within this month is the potential for extraordinary blessing. And not only ordinary blessing, not only conventional blessing, but the blessing that is connected with the tribe of Asher, the 11th dimension, the Torah that is given to us by God, but taught to us by Moshe. This is what is so special about the month of Shvat. And this is why the Shabbos, when we bless the month of Shvat, what we have to keep in mind, what we have to keep in mind is not only blessing the month and saying the prayer that asks for all sorts of good things, material things, health and prosperity, nachas, all the wonderful things that each and every one of us asks for and each and every one of us deserves. But we also have to somehow direct that prayer to ourselves as well and ask ourselves, are we doing that which we can and that which we must? And I'm not saying that we do the best we can. That's a tall order. But are we doing what we should be doing? And this is something which is so important during this time. When we bless the 11th month, we have to recognize the infinite energy and blessing that is contained within this month. We can draw it down. We can achieve it. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the month of Shvat, and the month of Shvat, as I mentioned, contains within it extraordinary extraordinary potential of blessing. And this is something that we've talked about often in the past, that how often God hides within situations of challenge, of difficulty, and darkness, the greatest opportunities and the greatest blessings, the greatest light is often contained and hidden within intense darkness. And as we take a look at the Parsha, the Parsha of Ahira, the second Parsha in the book of Shemot, the book of Exodus. All of this comes to light, if you'll excuse the pun, Ahira. The Parsha is a continuation of last week's Parsha. And what happened toward the end of last week's Parsha? Moshe turns to God with a question, with a painful question. A question that, well has been asked so many times throughout our experience, but it's none other than Moshe himself, the most perfect of all Jews, the most humble of all Jews, a man about whom God says, I trust him totally and completely within my household. He is the most humble of all men. And what's the question that Moshe asks God? He turns to God. The end of last week's parsha, and he says, "Lama hariota, lama Why have you mistreated this people? You told me to come here. You told me to talk to them about redemption, about salvation. You told them that you have heard their crying. You've told them that you have seen the suffering that they've gone through 
for hundreds of years at the hands of a violent person, this Pharaoh, and his people, and that I should tell them that I come on your behalf to talk to them about redemption. And I went to Pharaoh, and I told him to let my people go. And all that happened is that the fate of the Jewish people became far more difficult. The work became more difficult. They were no longer supplied with the straw to build the bricks that were necessary to build the structures for Pharaoh. And in fact, from the time that I came here, from the time that I began this whole process of arguing and talking to Pharaoh and talking to the Jewish people, indeed the Jewish people, their lives became far more difficult. And this is why Moshe turns to God and he asks that question, Lama Hare Isa, Lama Why have you mistreated this people? And this is why the opening words of this week's parsha are Vayadaber Elokim al Moshe, Vayema Elavani Hashem. And God speaks somewhat harshly to Moshe, Vayadaber Elokim al Moshe. And he says to him, I am God, and as the commentary points out, that he rebukes Moshe. How dare you? The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, to whom I didn't reveal my essential name, they never questioned my judgment. They never questioned my actions. They never questioned that which I did. They accepted. Their faith, faith was complete and powerful. And yet you, you question what I do. You come to me with, well, the ultimate question of why have I mistreated my people? And this is why the Parsha, according to most commentaries, begins with a rebuke to Moshe. And perhaps at first glance, a well-deserved rebuke. Why indeed did Moshe challenge God? Or ask such a question. After all, Moshe is a man of incredible faith. He is called the Raya Mahemda. He is called the shepherd of faith. To him, faith is the ultimate. Does he actually question God's judgment and God's actions? And this is why we have to understand what's happening over here. How is it that Moshe asks that question. How is it that Moshe appears to have doubt about that which God is doing? Moshe, who in actual fact is the most perfect of all people, the most humble of all people, the one who accepts God in his entirety, should actually question God's behavior and God's actions. Moshe should simply accept that whatever God does is just and correct. Why is it that Moshe asks the question, why have you mistreated your people? And why is it necessary for God to rebuke him? And this is why we have to look deeper into this whole exchange in order for us to understand what an actual fact Moshe is asking and what in actual fact 
gotta say. As we've often discussed throughout all our lessons, the single most important role in Moshe's life, his single greatest responsibility, is being a leader, a caring leader to his people. This is who Moshe is. He's a man that has tremendous qualities, tremendous powerful abilities. But the single greatest responsibility that he has is the fact that he is the leader of the Jewish people. And this is why, as the leader of the Jewish people, his first and foremost concern is the welfare of his people. And this is why, even though it might appear from time to time that he puts himself at risk, spiritual risk, he puts his relationship with God, it might appear, at risk. He does so to protect the welfare of the Jewish people of Am Yisrael, the Jewish people. But it goes deeper than that as well. Every time, and we'll see this again and again and again, every time the Jewish people might be doing something wrong, Every time Moshe turns to God in protecting his people, what actually happens? In his exchange with God, he draws out from God deeper dimensions of revelation and godliness. The intention of Moshe's question is not to challenge the justice of God, and certainly not to question his faith in God. He's asking a question that he knows each and every single Jew will ask from time to time, but more importantly, to draw out from God a deeper dimension of revelation so that that type of question need not be asked again. And indeed, what does God say to him? It says, and God spoke to him. I am God, Vaera, and I have appeared. This is the actual intention of Moshe. He wants Hashem to reveal himself more and more. Moshe knows full well. Moshe knows full well that in order for revelation to take place, in order for godliness to take place in this world, the Jewish people have to go through stages of challenge and darkness. The whole purpose of coming down into Mitzrayim, the whole purpose of going into Egypt, is so that ultimately they will come out as a free people, but that's not the ultimate purpose. It's because this prepared the way this prepared the opportunity and possibility for revelation at Sinai. Without the Jewish people going into Mitzrayim and doing whatever it was that they did there and perfecting the negativity of Mitzrayim through their staying there by refining the negativity of Mitzrayim, they prepare themselves and the world for the possibility and the readiness 
for the ultimate revelation at Sinai. Moshe knows that through challenge and difficulty, one prepares oneself and one's world for greater revelation. Yes, of course, a person can be quite comfortable with the status quo. A person can be quite comfortable with the current situation. I'm happy where I am. Emotionally happy, intellectually happy, even spiritually happy. But when circumstances begin to challenge those emotions, or those intellectual truths, or even one's faith, and you have to work hard to reestablish a sense of correctness, of strength, of power, the end result is greater and more powerful emotion, greater and more powerful intellect, and certainly greater and more powerful faith. And this is what life is all about. The opportunity of challenge enables us to grow. Otherwise, we become stagnant and comfortable in life and lifestyles that perhaps once upon a time were satisfying, but after a while become repetitive and boring and destructive and have to be challenged. Life cannot follow a simple, constant pattern because ultimately it will be challenged, if not by ourselves, then others, then by society generally, as we have seen so many times. A person can't simply say, well, I'm here, I'm fine, I'm comfortable. It doesn't work that way. Children begin to challenge that notion. But ultimately, we ourselves begin to challenge that notion. We need more. We want more. In a relationship, in the world generally, our minds grow, our feelings grow, our spirit grows. When Moshe asks that question, he knows full well that the Jewish people have to go through another step in order to receive a greater revelation. But by asking God that question, he's opening up the opportunity for Hashem to say what he did, Va'era, and I have appeared, and I will continue to appear far beyond the appearance that I made to the patriarchs. Can you believe that? The patriarchs who were so great, the fathers of the Jewish people, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, as great as they were, they didn't merit the ultimate revelation. But we, each and every one of us, we get the ultimate revelation because we have gone through the horrors of exile, the challenges of exile, the experiences of exile, the difficulties of exile. And as we know in every single pursuit of worth, it's only when there is the difficulty involved. When you use your brain, it's only when you have to apply it to understand something deeper and more profound Easy things don't result in intellectual satisfaction. 
And similarly, when it comes to devotion, and more so when it comes to spiritual matters. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So we spoke about how by challenging the comfort of the situation that you're in, and by actually going into deeper and often darker and sometimes even more painful situations, the end result is far greater revelation. The end result is far greater reward. The end result is far greater life. And this is why Moshe asks God, why have you mistreated this people? Not because he is questioning God's justice or God's action, but he wants to hear from God so that we can hear from God. The Ada, revelation. What's going to happen? The great reward that comes about as a result of experiencing this challenge. And this is how the entire Parsha develops. And we see this in the exchange between Moshe Aaron and Pharaoh and the plagues, the seven plagues that are contained within this Parsha, beginning with blood and frogs, etc., etc. And what happens each and every single time? The plague comes. Pharaoh says to Moshe, please ask God to stop the plague. I'll let the people go. What does God say? Don't worry. I'll harden his heart. And he won't let the people go. Why the charade? Why go through this whole process? Send them one strong plague. Let the people go. The Jewish people walk out with joy, with pride with tremendous strength end of story liberation has taken place why is it necessary for Pharaoh to experience ten plagues and based upon what we said before the answer is quite obvious Pharaoh was an arrogant egotistical person who was actually convinced that he was not only the king of Egypt and Mitzrayim, he was God of the world, and he ran this physical world. Yes, God existed somewhere up there in the heavens, but in this physical world, he was the ultimate authority. And therefore, he could do what he wanted, he could enact whatever laws he wanted, he could enslave whomever he wanted. He had divine right, because he was a God. He convinced himself. He convinced his entire nation. In fact, he almost convinced the entire world at the time that this is who he was. And Moshe had to disabuse him of that notion. And to disabuse Pharaoh, who was the ultimate egoist of that notion, was a process. And it wouldn't happen with one plague or with two plagues. It took ten. And he had to learn again and again and again what had to take place because Pharaoh had to ultimately come to the realization that there's only one God in this world. Yes, Pharaoh as well. It wasn't enough just to, well, tell him whatever you had to tell him and to punish him. You had to break that evil arrogance that he possessed, which is a long process. And therefore, each one of the plagues, now is not the time to talk about each one separately, but each one of the plagues 
opened up another dimension of understanding within the life of Pharaoh, within the mind of Pharaoh, until he ultimately comes to say, yes, there is God. Let the people go so they can serve God, as we will talk about in the coming Parsha of Bo. As the Jewish people themselves had to go through challenge and difficulty and darkness and pain and slavery in order to recognize the ultimate revelation. Pharaoh. Pharaoh had to go through a similar situation. It wasn't going to happen overnight. It wasn't going to happen with one action. It was going to be a long process. And this is why God had to harden his heart again and again and again. Because he couldn't learn this quickly with one lesson or with one plague. Each and every single plague taught him something else until he finally understood the truth. And this is why when you're in shul tomorrow, listen to this parsha. It's a fascinating parsha. How it begins, how God speaks to Moshe. And then how he instructs him again to go to Pharaoh. And Moshe is resistant, but nonetheless, and tells him what to do. And the miracles, one after the other, that takes place. The stick that turns into a serpent, and the plagues that take place, and the exchange between Moshe and Pharaoh. Fascinating stuff. But as I say to you always, listen to that part of the Parsha that talks to you. And you'll find a part of the Parsha that talks to you. And speaks directly to what you have to hear. And as I said at the beginning of the show, it's the partial when we bless the month of Shvat, the 11th month, the month that contains extraordinary opportunity for blessing and for greatness. Use it well. When you bless the month, keep in mind what you have to do and what you have to commit yourself to in terms of Torah study, in terms of prayer, in terms of doing acts of charity, etc. It's a great Shabbos. Use it well. Use it with joy. Good Shabbos.